Hello, 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 and welcome to week 38 of the 52 Week Film Project. We are back with edition two of the Kiwi series. We are recording through uh, terrible Wi Fi conditions. Uh, Jake <laughs> here from a mountainous town in South New Zealand, and Will from his humble abode in Surrey. Yes. Uh, Will, how you doing, mate? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, well, it's interestingly, it might not be my humble abode in Surrey much longer. I might be moving up to um, London, which is very, very exciting in a couple of weeks. Ooh. I know, I'm so excited. Um, so I put a deposit down in the house, but, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Things, Terrible things could happen, and I'm, I, I'm worried about that. But I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be fine, and hopefully in three weeks' time, I will be living my life in London. It's and, all very exciting. And so that all the super fans can come and cheer you on on move-in day, where are you moving to in London? Uh, I am moving to Shoreditch, which is ten minutes away from Old, Old Street Station. Which, for our international base, uh, international fans, um, is a sort of creative hub around London. I would Will say. Will feels infinitely more hipster for saying <laughs> yeah, that he put a deposit down in Shoreditch. Yeah, uh, especially for the price he's done it. Done it very I am well. Very happy with it. Um, also, I'm wearing a very. I'm, I'm wearing my hipster necklace as well today. I thought. Yeah, the only way I could describe this to the uh, the viewers at home, uh, Will is wearing a black panther kind of neckerchief, mm. kind of similar to what like Mbaku wears during battle in Infinity War. Yes. There is a difference between cultural appropriation and appreciation, and I think I'm... <laughs> the, the line is very, very blurred with, with this look. <laughs> oh, maybe we should put it on the Instagram and people can decide. Um, yeah. So this week, <laughs> Captain Marvel. We, yes. uh, we went to watch it here in, here in New Zealand, me and, me and my girlfriend Ollie, who will be on the show to... Uh, chat about it later whoop, whoop. Uh, we went to watch it in a tiny little old school cinema uh, again in like another mountain town not the one we're in currently um, where they kind of printed off the tickets for you like all old school you had like these little bags of like one dollar sweets that are in like little plastic baggies uh, like really really bright coloured old school sweets I love um, it they like they're so old fashioned that you could go into the cinema and they have like behind Perspex glass they put like an A4 sheet which pr- like someone's t- in the cinema has typed up the films that are going to be coming out and a little paragraph description of each one oh it's that's so, so lovely that's, that's yeah, yeah, a nice yeah. bit of effort that makes that, that makes me feel like it like, it would it would lift up my day if someone had done that for, for each film no it is it is adorable it was really really nice to go back to that uh, especially because like Odeon's incredibly well all, all kind of cinema in the UK now other than like I suppose you could argue every man is very impersonal um, and it's very like ship him in ship him out but then having said that you went to I, I want to say you went to the grand unveiling of the Odeon Leicester Square <laughs> that's complete bollocks I wish um, I wish it's been open for a when, couple of weeks a couple of weeks okay because yeah. it was being redone for about well, the best part of 2018, right? Yes, definitely. I mean, I, I kept on visiting Leicester Square and it was still just full of scaffolding around that building um, and just the whole thing closed off. But I went to watch it at the Odeon Leicester Square Lux Cinema, um, which is the only cinema in the UK, this is quite interesting, that has got the new Dolby sound system and video system. Now, what mm. that does, apparently... Um, is that it creates a, a surround soundscape. And so what they did in one of the advertisements, like, this is Dolby Cinema, um, one of those things, is that they would do this thing where they'd they'd show you on the screen a ball in the middle and then it would go round, um, round. and as it was going round, the sound around the cinema would make would hit different places. And it was quite amazing. Like, you were hearing... Like, if some a sound was going over there, and over there, over there, and there, I'm pointing, it's a podcast, you can't see that. Um, <laughs> it was it was quite incredible. And what the other thing that was good about it was that the picture, the blacks, um, for, like, when a, the screen goes black, it's completely black. Like, you could not see any residual sort of, like, um, tone to it at all. It wasn't like a cinema screen. It was like it was framed by... Well, nothingness. It was like a void. Um, so that was good. Um, and the cinema itself was like the um, Oscar stage. It's crazy. It had these big, big stools and these, and then the ground had so many people in it. Um, so it was like you were at some kind of award ceremony, which was great. Although sitting where I was sitting, which is quite far back, you di- you I was I watched this film in three D, which I don't like doing normally for films, but I but it was the only option available for me that day. And it, I, the film really needs to be in 3D because it, you are far back 
there are so many seats in front of you if you if you get a, if you get one in the stalls. Um, so that's the only I suppose downside of it. But it was fantastic. The atmosphere was great, and I went and I I kept on going back in there. Um, after the cinema screening had come out, and they were like, "Do you like this place?" I was like, "No, I just lost my wallet and my poster they gave me." <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a really, really fun thing. <laughs> oh. See, I I love Odeon Lux. I think um, when we started the podcast, we when we were still living in Birmingham, we went to the the one in like near Broad Street quite a lot, and it's yeah. like there is such a difference to have that like kind of full on almost square like digitized screen. Like there's just like something something so great about watching it on one of those kind of better like modern day cinema screens. Mm, uh, but anyway, I think, yeah, I think that Odeon with their um, cinema screens now have there's some of them are really some the Lux ones are amazing, and then you have the ones like in Broad Street that like might have rats in them at one particular point. <laughs> Yeah, they did. They definitely did. And the ones in New Street were even worse. It was actually run by rats. Yeah, there exactly. There weren't any staff. There were little rats with little Odeon suits. Yeah, never mind the film Ratatouille. The, the, the documentary of that is the Odeon New Street Cinema. Yeah, they need to do a dispatches on Odeon. And <laughs> <laughs> a dis, a dis, a ratches, mate. Hey! Um, right, anyway, anyway, let's get on with the news. Um, what's your first news story for the week, mate? Uh, first news story. It's quite short and sweet. It's more of a discussion point. Now, Game of Thrones, which is coming out on, I believe, April the 14th um, this year, we talked about it last week, they've revealed their episode lengths for how long each episode is going to take. Now, they've previously spoiled that these episodes are going to be... An- <laughs> I love that you say how long each episode is going to take, like it's going to be such a chore. To yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. It's going to take this long. Um, no, it, previously, they've said that it's going to be sort of feature-length episodes, um, sort of an hour and a half's l- length kind of misleading so what the actual really? episode lengths are is episode one is 54 minutes so normal episode episode two is 58 minutes again normal episode episode three and i believe that by the episode time there's some kind of big battle or big thing that happens in it is 82 minutes episode four 78 episode five 80 and episode six 80 so the first, so you don't what you don't get is an hour and a half feature length. You get an hour and twenty at max, or an hour and twenty two max, and the first two episodes are hour long Game of Thrones episodes. Now for me, people said that oh wow we're getting like twenty extra minutes of Game of Thrones compared to other years. Twenty extra minutes is not enough with what they've done. No, with what they've said, yeah, that's to, that's very true. Yeah. So to, what is it? What, what time what time stamp does something go from being a long TV episode to a feature length is there is there like a written rule on that or is that well, rubbish because know, in my in my opinion 70 minutes is just about like what old school films used to get away with yeah like an hour like an hour and 10 minutes is kind of the bare minimum to be called feature length mm. i think 80 is more reasonable so I don't think it's fair for them to say that every episode in this new season is feature length, which is yeah, it is misleading. Yeah, it's completely misleading because two normal ep- two are just normal episodes of Game of Thrones, and we saw with last season that those two episode two an hour an episode does not give you enough time to nearly get into the lore of this at all. Um, so I'm yeah. so I'm looking forward to it still. I'm still happy that there are some feature length and inverted commas episodes but the hour and a half every episode for six episodes which was promised is not this just not happening which is a real shame i think it's a real missed opportunity mm. yeah okay well i mean my first bit of news is slightly different we spoke about the fact that uh, they guy ritchie's new aladdin disney epic um they released a trailer that kind of briefly teased will smith's genie and everyone freaked out because they thought it looked absolutely terrible. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know if it's a knee-jerk reaction, but they followed up with a second trailer, pretty fucking sharpish. I'm, assu- I'm assuming this this feature-length trailer. What makes a feature-length trailer? Oh, it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, they've, they've released another like two like two-minute-long trailer for Aladdin, which I think is probably considering it comes out in May, they were probably looking at releasing it a little bit later than this, kind of a month before. But they've done it because everyone panicked. And what they've seen... Have you seen this trailer, by the way? Uh, I have seen this trailer, yes. Yeah. What did you think? I, I think it makes it look a lot better. Oh, 100%. I think I think I liked Will Smith in it. I liked when he became big. I liked the small nuances. He's very good at clicking his fingers. I know that sounds stupid, but for yeah. a film about a genie, 
he's very good at that specific action of doing that. Um, but they also, yeah, they they also they show in the trailer that he's not going to be this weird puffy blue thing the whole time. He does kind of transform himself down into regular Will Smith looking like a genie. Yes. Which I think will help because not like I know that sounds like a bit of a like a cop out, but at the same time it kind of complements the fact that a lot of the cast of this film are of colour. Mm. And I think kind of having him just act as himself and not be CGI the whole time will probably work quite well in a live action retelling. It, it, um, the film looked beautiful after the I mean, the first sort of 30 seconds, 40 seconds of the trailer is all stuff that we've seen before or know. And then the la- and then the sort of last minute of it is just this whole amazing sequence um, with sort of looking at the choreography of a lot of the musical numbers and the action sequences. And it does look like Guy Ritchie has created a beautiful film. Um, yeah. So I'm very excited about it. But I, but I also I also just think that the yeah like you said the score the music in the trailers that I've I've heard so far it, it it it's more exciting to me than in adverts for say Dumbo, um and some of the other live action Disney things that have been coming out like you hear this and I think there is a real kind of it's so like generic to say this but there's a real kind of magic to it yeah and I think I agree been, I think I think you've got I mean at the end of this month you've got Dumbo coming out which is Tim Burton. This is May time, isn't it? And it's Guy Ritchie. Yes. And then you've got June, you've got Jean Favreau's Lion King coming out. Now, we know which one is going to make the most money. There's no debate there. But it will be interesting to talk after seeing all three of those films about which one we thought was the best. Yep, I agree. Um, I think, my initial opinions are, I think I'm going to like Dumbo, but it's not going to be great. I think Aladdin is going to surprise me and I'm going to find it really good fun. And I think The Lion King is going to, by and large, play it quite safe and I'm not going to be that fussed by it. Mm -hmm. As the directors go, I like Jon Favreau a lot, but I've I've never been absolutely floored and stunned by any of his work. Like, it's not, Mm. not, none of his work has ever been a um, a 52-week film project, eight or a nine. Um, No. But um, I think the one I'm excited for is Guy Ritchie because every film that I've seen of Guy Ritchie's, he does something quite interesting with. Well, recently anyway, the, the, his old films like um, um, Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roller, um, whatever that film was called. Um, was Rock and it, Roller. Yeah. Was it just called Rock and Roller? Yeah. Oh, did I just do the poster? Because yeah. that was the poster. Right, okay. You did the poster. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, like all of his like previous films were like, UK-based. But now that he's gone into Hollywood... With the partial expe- exception of the um, King Arthur film, The Sword and the Stone, which looks oh, terrible. Awful. Yeah. The David Beckham one. Let's the David Beckham it. one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, with that exception, I've, I've liked everything that he's done. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that film. Mm, cool. What's your uh, next bit of news, mate? Um, related to the podcast we are filming, uh, the review that we are doing, the Avengers trailer. The new Avengers trailer. Now... Yeah, this is, this is just a slight caveat for people. Now... We are only going to be talking about superhero stuff for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, if you're not interested in superhero stuff, please listen so if on. You were here, be great. If you were here for the Disney shit, you might as well just cancel yeah, it's that. It's gone now. It's gone now. We, we, we anyway. like the trailer of Aladdin. Um, the Avengers trailer. Um, I'm just going to run through about through things that happen in it because I think it's quite important, and a lot of the Marvel fans out there want to know sort of like an in-depth thing or anything that you can gain from the trailer. Um, although I would say there is a slight caveat with that um, because of, of the Avengers Infinity War trailer had scenes that were not actually in the film to mislead. So um, yeah. bear with me on this. Um, so the film starts in black and white. It sort of revisits um, past scenes with um, old characters like the original Thor, the original Iron Man movie, Iron Man 2. Um, you've got the original Guardians film. You've got the Avengers Infinity War click scene. All of that is in black and white. And I think it's quite a st- stunning visual choice, especially like with, um, I think, was sh- was it Schindler's List? I know that I'm comparing weird things here. But was it Schindler's List that had black and white tone, but also had um, a, the girl in the red coat, which was the striking point? Yeah, it was also uh, Sin City, which we hated. So, yes, we uh, also did <laughs> hate Slippery Sin Slope, City. my friend. Yes, but I just thought it was a really nice visual choice for the Marvel cinematic thing. Um, you go back in time to see the spoilers. Um, interesting. The I think the most interesting thing to work out the timeline of this film is that Scarlett Johansson's hair 
changes colour and also changes length throughout the film. So the, in Avengers Infinity War, it was blonde and short. Then there is a pic, there is a scene in Avengers trailer, that, the Avengers Endgame trailer, that has it long. And then it's Ginger at the end of the film, like back to her original Black Widow days. Um, you've got also cool things like Rocket on War Machine's shoulder. You've got Ant-Man um, leapfrogging over a pencil. Um, there is there is potential that we could be seeing Loki's scepter in the background, which is quite mm. exciting. That that means that they might be testing um, to see how the different stones worked in it. Um, and from the last trailer, you know that there is security footage um the security footage end of it with Ant-Man, um, there is a screenshot of that and it says a camera footage from 1983. So this kind of confirms the whole time looping thing. So the notice of Ant-Man in this trailer with him sort of looking at a uh, missing notice might be a couple of years in the future or it might be a couple of years in the past. Reportedly, um, an actress has been hired to play um, Paul Rudd's older daughter. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, mm. I mean... I can't mention the trailer without mentioning those suits at the end. Um, those black, those white and reds, sort of like quantum realm, I think. Yeah, what do you think those suits. are? They, they're, they're space-time jumpy suits, aren't they? They're, spe they're definitely space-time jumpy suits. Um, and because they appear at the end of the trailer, my thoughts are is that the last 45... No, the first 45 minutes of this film was shown in that endgame trailer were shown in the Endgame trailer. After that, I don't think we've seen any of what's to come, really. Maybe mm -hmm. the scene yeah, with Nebula. Agreed. Um, but apart from that, I, do, I really don't think so. Um, what they've... Well, in my... In kind of layman's terms, opinion of this trailer, I would watch it, and I watch them go through all the old footage and talk about... like they, 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 When Tony Stark's talking at the beginning, it kind of alludes to that, like, that revisiting the past technique that he's got from the start of iron man 2 yes and it this trailer doesn't show you anything massively that you weren't aware of already it kind of just is the first time the russo brothers have confirmed yes there's going to be some kind of time travel element yeah I yes know. like the, the biggest theory is true unless this is a complete like you know they've done it before where they've completely misled you they all of the footage of the past in this trailer is just stock footage from previous films. It's not new footage filmed in those settings. So for all we know, this could be the biggest hoodwink in Marvel's history. And I would love um, that because what I think about this trailer is that, you know those trailers on YouTube that are fan created? Like the Joaquin oh, Masher, Phoenix. Smasher. Yeah, mashup yeah, yeah, trailers. Yeah, yeah like, like the Joker film has got like 70 different fan made trailers and they're all got like big huge music behind them and like Joaquin Phoenix doing like really 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 like in like small acting and then these big scenes from The Dark Knight Rises and Batman and it in his different incarnations and they're mad but you I kind of enjoy them because they're like oh if any, if the film is going to be like this I want to see that film this trailer was like those trailers just better edited yeah. and with some actual footage from the real things it just yeah, was that's very, mad that's a good way of putting it yeah and the the music build up when they're all walking with those suits on that the the dramatic opera singing is just getting ridiculous the 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 ways that they have mashed up that just that core riff of the avengers theme tune to now do about four films and then lots and lots of variations on it is getting ridiculous now they are doing very interesting like mashups and like it's just becoming more epic and more epic and i was like this is almost comically epic at this point it was yeah, almost no, like it was it was crazy two interesting points i wanted to pick up on on this trailer um what do you think is the main reason for this trailer and why it came out when it did um i think it's my thing is that i think captain marvel has done well and then it's another it's like another after captain marvel's come out you can now have the trailer because of the scene with thor meeting brie larson at the end yeah no completely so obviously we'll go on to talk about it more but the post credit scene of captain marvel is her meeting the remaining avengers yes kind of it almost it literally looks like the original endgame trailer the scene shot where they're all kind of together this is just one of those scenes mm -hmm. um but it is it, it's it's such a clever way to release a trailer because captain marvel has just become uh well it's the it's the second highest grossing film of 2019 
Um, it's the highest grossing, the highest a Marvel film has grossed in a three day in, in its three day opening period, which is fucking nuts considering we've had Infinity War and Black Panther out recently. Mm. Um, that yeah yeah like it or dislike it, this film has made a ton of money. So it was such a clever marketing ploy for them to release this Endgame trailer a week or so after this film came out to remind people, yeah, this is happening and Captain Marvel's going to be a part of it too. Yeah, exactly. Um, really, really clever. The other thing, though, is are you aware of the poster backlash? Um, no, I'm not aware of so, the poster backlash. So so they've released an, like a, an official poster, uh, which obviously is kind of like all the other typical Avengers posters, but it's obvi- it's only got the surviving Avengers, and there's you know uh, Captain Marvel's in there as well, Hawkeye's in there, etc. Um, but there were twelve of them, twelve kind of superheroes that were in that poster the first time it was released, and it was released on the official Marvel Studios Twitter and everything. And after about an hour they pulled it because everyone got really up in arms about the fact that Danai Guerrero, who plays um, oh, the, the name of the character I always forget, the, um, the one of the main Wakandan characters that's still alive. Yes. She's the, actri- she's the actress that plays Michonne in um, in uh, The Walking Dead. I can't remember the name of her character. It's it's Commander something, I remember that. I, I just can't remember the, the last bit of it. Um, uh, Okoye, Okoye. There we go. But um, but it was. I mean, they're just they they are idiots, aren't they? Like, why on earth would they think if she was kind of led to be one of the main surviving characters at the at the end of Infinity War, and she's she's a a strong new black female lead in the Avengers universe? Why on earth would they exclude her from the poster? Yeah. Like, yep, it's it's they're, 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 sometimes I just think these people are fucking brain dead. Like. <laughs> Like why on like in this day and age it is such a no brainer that I just don't understand why it wasn't done and and Marvel Studios reissued the poster with her in it and they said in the tweet they said she should have been up there all this time check out the official poster uh, hashtag Wakanda forever I'm like oh god like you're so sly the way you like like the way the tweets like the way they've written it it's like oh you know it wasn't our fault and here is the proper poster but. I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, it's like it's like I don't like the fact that Marvel know they're so woke, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the, and they can play on that. So if they make a mistake, they're like, "Whoops, we just we just woke, guys. We're trying our best." I'm like, "Shut up, <laughs> shut up, Marvel, <laughs> shut the fuck up." Yeah. Um. Right. Final bit of news. This is by far the best news I think I've had to talk about since we first started reporting on this story, which must have been about two months ago now. Um, James Gunn has been rehired by Disney as the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 director. And it is just like, this is incredible. It's quite this a is moment, incredible. isn't it? I mean, I, I mean, think about the fact that this guy was chucked out because of some tweets that he's two, three, four times in the past nine years, like, formally apologised for. Um chucked out by Disney immediately snapped up by DC to do the Suicide Squad soft reboot that we were talking about last week and now not only is he doing the Suicide Squad film for DC but he is coming back to do Guardians of the Galaxy 3 after that film is wrapped Mm. like talk about like weird fate and fortune right? Oh 100% I mean, he must be he must be so so happy with like all of the fan support, and as a, as a major as a major director, like carving a niche is arguably the best superhero director out there. He has gained a film as a result of being fired. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so ironic. And then and then continued filming the original film he was going to shoot. Yeah, and Dave Batista who was obviously kind of the most strongly um, voiced advocate in support of him when he was chucked off the Guardians project, has now reportedly bagged a role in the Suicide Squad film. Oh, wow. So it's like it's like the guy who didn't deserve all of this to happen to him in the first place has come off better, and the guy who was his strongest defender 
has gained another major movie role for his support. Yep. And also, starts. crucially, Dave Bautista is doing well as an actor, but then because of because he was killed off in Infinity War, he he hasn't he he I wouldn't say his momentum as an actor is a bit slow, but he just hasn't had the Marvel films that um, he's been in recently. So he's gone back to the WWE and is now a big part of the WrestleMania storyline. I think he's oh, one he? of yeah he's one of the he's facing his old um, rival Triple H, and he was at the Royal Rumble. He's oh, been there for a while. Triple um, H. I know Triple H. Isn't Triple H a throwback? <laughs> like, that was that was that was when I was big into WWE. Back when Triple H was a huge player. Yeah, prime time like two thousand and six, two thousand nine, like or two thousand five to two thousand nine, like prime time. But Triple H, John Cena, Batista, all of them lot. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think it's actually probably done Batista a bit of good as well because he he the last time he was in the WWE he was booed. Because the fans didn't like him because he'd sold out to Hollywood. Now the fans love him, so it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Mm. 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 Okay, cool. <laughs> well, that wraps up the news. Um, now onto the review of Captain Marvel. Now we have a special guest for the first time in the fifty-two week film project. Um, we've got my girlfriend Olivia Radcliffe, Woo! As Ollie to her friends and fans, uh, joining the show. She's joining us live from New Zealand. Ollie, how are you doing? Good, thank you. <laughs> hey, alls, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Bill? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. We're just catching up on the live on the podcast now. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Ollie, glad you're here. We thought we would go through before you before we started the Captain Marvel review. Kind of your best and worst films. I actually told Jake not to prep me on this because I wanted to be natural. Oh, I so want to be you, real like, and honest, and it, yeah, I love that. So, so if you had to, if you had to say a bet, like the best film you've ever watched, what would it be? I'm starting to wish that we prepped on this. <laughs> <laughs> I can, um, I can kind of think of. I know what Parent it is. Parent Trap. Pa- Parent okay, Trap. Absolute best. Watched it about twelve times. The original. Uh, both. Wait, which one's got which? You've got the one with the old. The original uh, is the one with the. Oh, uh, what's her face? Who's from... the lady that's in um, Silence of the Lambs? Uh, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. The originals with Jodie Foster. That's another film we watched the other day. Well, Silence of the Lambs, fucking oh. incredible. Oh really? We watched it. We watched it on a ferry, and we both got a bit seasick, but we, oh, no, we that's persevered. Freaky Friday. She's in Freaky Friday. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just the Parent Trap. Just Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap. I think it's Lindsay Lohan. Yes. I'm not certain. No, Lindsay Lohan's in Freaky Friday, isn't she? Or is she in both? It's definitely um, Parent Trap that I like, so I just leave it. Well, I thought the answer was going to be Paddington Paddington of some description, because you are one of the biggest fans. Yeah, I I take it back. Paddington. Paddington Paddington 1 or 2? Paddington 2. Ah, Paddington 2. That's the... Me and Will frequently talk about Paddington 2. It's kind of our barometer for the best films out there that we're desperately in search of. Yes, yes, we're desperately in search of. It's how we describe the perfect ten when it Would comes to the movie. Just rewatch that one then. <laughs> um, what would you say in the last year then, in 2018, what's been your favourite film? Ready Player One. Ready Player One. This to is be another fair, one of those situations where you'll say, what about this? And I'll be like, oh yeah, I prefer that one actually. <laughs> For now, Ready Player One. What was but it? we watched... We watched Ready Player One in like proper 4DX, didn't we? Not only that, I sat, sat there for about 10 minutes with my mouth so wide open that I actually caught myself and had to physically shut my jaw. <laughs> <laughs> was it just, what, what was it about it? Was it just the special effects? Was it the, 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 the story behind it? Because um, I haven't seen it. A little bit of everything, really. It was just great. Yeah, it's really it, great. It does look like a good film. I really should watch it. It's one of those yeah, films that has been on, yeah it's been it's been on my list for a while, um, yeah yeah, Ready Player One. What a, all right, but what about worst film ever? Like the worst film you've ever watched? For me and Will, I think it's it's getting close to Sin City. It's the most terrible film. Well, I don't or Aquarella. To, I, would have, I don't want to say anything to me because obviously you know people might not watch a film if I say it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but. I think Tarzan, <laughs> primarily for the special effects. The the Alex the recent one, the Alexander Skarsgård yeah, one. It's just the special effects were just shocking, really. 
I mean, it's a great. The story is great, but the special effects. Yeah. It's another Samuel L. Jackson film, well. Yes, that's true. With l- linking so much here. So many. All right, links. and then. It's like I planned it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and then, as we're as we're reviewing a superhero film, have you got a favourite superhero movie that you've seen? Well, that's a tricky question because I don't really watch superhero movies. But if you call Spider-Man a superhero. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely. I, I think superhero. I would, yeah. I think you do. Then Which Spider-Man film? I like the ones with. Is it Tobey Maguire? Yeah. Yes, those films uh, are great. Um, any of them. I believe. Or even the, the third one. Probably the first. Why? With the Green Goblin. Maybe. Isn't your favourite film, Jake, Spider-Man Two as well? Uh, not, yeah, not it, with Tobey Maguire. It's, it's up there. Spider-Man Two with. Um, Doc Ock and that train no, scene that I makes th- me cry. But I thought it was with the other guy. No, I do love Tom Holland. No, the other other guy. Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Yeah. Nah, he's not my fave. You definitely said to me he was. No, I said Tom Holland was. <laughs> but I like, I like the, cla- I like the, the claim to fame. Right? I like the claim to fame that two of the three men that have played Spider-Man in major Hollywood films are from down the road from me in Surrey. A boy can dream. Oh. Like growing, growing, growing up, growing up, wishing to be Spider-Man, and then seeing two blokes from Epsom do it makes yeah. you think it could happen. Well, it definitely I, could I, happen. For some reason, I thought you were talking about Tobey Maguire for a second. I was like, Tobey Maguire lives in Epsom. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, well, that was a good introduction. I think. Yeah. My mum met Andrew Garfield. Your mum met Andrew Garfield. Because he was on the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus what he started in oh yes yes he did mm-hmm. that was one of his big first roles that was a good film actually yeah it's the Heath Ledger one where Heath Ledger was split yeah, into yeah he died it's yeah. where they covered up his death by using like Jude Law they didn't cover up they yeah didn't not cover <laughs> up yeah <laughs> <laughs> Heath didn't die um, no but they used like Colin Farrell and stuff didn't they I have this really I have this memory of a scene with Colin Farrell where he like gets outed for being evil and like beats up his wife or something there's, there's like a really horrible scene in that film yeah. Towards the end, oh, I need to rewatch that. Yeah, that's a. But that's she met him what, at like a premiere? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no. Was that one of those moments where you forget you're doing a podcast, Dolly? <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> um. So on to Captain Marvel review then. Yes. So as 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 we said, the the second highest grossing film of 2019. Now, well, do you know what the well? Do either of you know what the highest grossing film of 2019 is? I think you told me yesterday. <laughs> well, I did tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Said. So please tell me. <laughs> um, it's this film called The Wandering Earth, which is a Chinese movie. Oh. And has grossed 700 million US dollars. I haven't it's seen any of it in, in, in Western cinemas. I've never no, even heard of it. I've, I haven't even heard of it, but it's quite a big deal. It's a sci-fi film based on a novella by a Hugo Award-winning Chinese author. Um, and when I started looking at the reviews, it was, uh, it was quite clear that people see this as the first time China's made a genuine, really, really high-quality sci-fi movie, which is quite exciting. That is really exciting. Um, it might win a Golden Rooster which we now know about. Mm. Yeah, very true, very true. But it's not Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel is about $120 million behind that. Um, so it is, I mean, it's the f- it's the film that has made the Marvel Cinematic Universe become the first film franchise to gross $18 billion, which is nuts. Um, it had the highest opening three-day gross of any Marvel film. Um, that's beating Infinity War and Black Panther, which arguably are two much more hyped films in their their roster, um, or had so much more press around them beforehand. Um, but enough of the facts. What did you guys think? Um, Ollie, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I mean, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I'd, yeah, it, I mean, I haven't got much of an educated opinion on superhero films but it was it was good to watch I did you bored i didn't think it was boring either i thought it was, i thought it went a really good good pace they um it, i found it interesting i found the brie larson i found particularly compelling i didn't find her that boring 
Um, I worried that I'd find it quite boring because I've not been that excited by st- previous stuff. Like yeah. Dad. Diz. I can't speak. Dad. Dad, dad or Diz. Um, <laughs> but she was, I thought she was quite nice. She had quite a nice dry sense of humour, which was quite nice. And she, she had quite nice sort of facial nuances, um, so She's to speak. She's such a square jaw. She's got a very square yeah. jaw. Yeah. That's true. Her head is a rectangle. She also does this quite badass, like blowing her hair out of the way, Top Gun style thing that I think they overdo in the film. I actually didn't they, they do it that. more than four times. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, like cut your hair, please. <laughs> I think she's one of the few Marvel superhero women that have been hired as like a. She looks. She's a beautiful woman, woman but she's not like a sex symbol in the same way that Gold Gadot. I can't say the name. What's the what person who plays Wonder Woman? Gal Gadot. That's it. Um, is or Scarlett Johansson is, um, or other female characters. I can't think of the other. I can't think of um, any other female characters now. Are but she looks but like every woman role. But I don't think any of them are either. Scarlett Johansson, I think is definitely. Mm. I think Scarlett Johansson is a well-renowned film actress in her own right. I don't think that. I'm not saying that she's only hired because of her sec- sexual appeal. I'm just not saying. I'm just saying that there is there is that there. I would think that's actually my issue with a lot of superhero films. I don't like watching superhero films where the girls are lead, and it's just them walking around in a bikini top. Yeah. And the only reason that men or women are there is because they want to see this woman strutting around. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why I don't tend to watch them. But I did like Wonder Woman because I thought I wo- I was worried it was going to be like that, but I didn't think it was. Mm, I, oh, I agree with that. Same in this one, but generally, yeah, I get put off by that idea. Mm, I think this film did not have that. Um, no. I, what did you think of Samuel L. Jackson? To, uh, question to the both of you. Incredibly, I, I mean, I've, I've said several times that I'm not a big fan of the Captain America series of films in Marvel, and I'm not a particularly big fan of of, of the character of Nick Fury, um, but. I was really taken aback by how much I enjoyed his role in this film. I oh, actually yeah. think he was the I actually think he was the best part of it. I thought it was unreal like the kind of de-aging thing that they've done to him. It's absolutely um, incredible. I, I don't know really, how they did it. It's really it's creepily good. Hmm. Um and I just thought he was he was so funny. He was so it was the most entertaining. It was the most entertained I've been by Samuel L. Jackson in quite a long time. Yeah. Um just just very very sharp writing very on the money i kind of wish there was more of this f- humor from nick fury in the previous films yeah i, I agree I, just, I, I think that they they're so wrapped up in him being such a serious character in the other movies that they've completely lost the fact that he has got a great a great kind of comic control yeah and i think these kind of he's become kind of a joke in a way that he sort of turns up as like a cameo role or a cameo character who says a couple of badass lines and then leaves whereas this film you get really into the person that is Nick Fury and because he's younger there's no mysticism about his character you can play with the role as much as possible and I think as sometimes it's Samuel Jackson just doing Samuel Jackson bits but True. before before I didn't like that um, this time it felt charming and quite and they were funny like I've not I've not seen Samuel Jackson be this funny in quite a while yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I completely it's amazing agree. what being young I, does. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, that is true. I think um, the the supporting cast in this film, I think the plot is quite simplistic, and I think it's going to get, well, it does get criticism for that. Um, but I think the actual characters themselves are quite well fleshed out. Maria Rambo um, playing like Carol Danvers' best friend, um, who obviously had to deal for years with her disappearance, her sudden disappearance, or, or well, supposed death in a, in a plane crash. Um, I thought she was a really, really engaging character, a really cool actress, actually, and I'm I'm interested to see what she goes on to do she, from this. She was in um, Handmaid's Tale. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was one of the lead characters. Okay. Ah, okay. I, I can't remember her from it, but that's maybe because Don't I haven't watched it in a while. <laughs> I'm lying to you. I'm lying to you. Are you lying you sure? to me? Yeah, I'm lying to you. Okay. Just, <laughs> just trying to catch you out. <laughs> you know what is a joke, though? What is a joke? That we didn't win the Six Nations. Just yeah. So. Back to films. Uh, <laughs> Ollie, you'll have Scotland much got more the Grand rugby. Slam. You'll have much more no, rugby knowledge here than I do. That's what you said See, this morning. Now Jake's testing us. <laughs> got the Grand Slam. <laughs> I've, I I have Scot- not seen we any of Scotland. 
I've never seen the six. I've not seen the Six Nations a match this year, which is quite shocking. Are you not joking? one. Not one. I don't know why. Boring. No, I don't know why either. Because it's one of those things that, like, at work is brought up constantly, and I'm like, well, all I and I used to play rugby. Like, all I needed to do was just like watch a match or even look on BBC Sport one. Day. <laughs> but no, no. Will snuck that one in there. I used to play I, rugby. I think I think your street cred would go up, and this is to both of you. <laughs> All these hot tips. If you made this into a sporting podcast, fifty-two week sport project. Fifty-two weeks of trying to get you guys into sports. <laughs> I think we've become very fake but very fit versions of ourselves. I'd be I fine with that because you just sit around and talk about sport. You don't actually have to play. No, yeah. it would just. I and would and with to... my with my recent interest in Formula One, it would just become a motorsport podcast, and Will would yeah. not be involved. I would like to do a um, a sport podcast where I'm just eating cake throughout the whole podcast recording. I think that I, th- I think I'd I think that would be a quite nice um, contradiction. But then we just hear you chewing on the the 52 week speed eating project. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No one wants to hear, hear me do that. Right, on a, just do a Bake Off podcast. On another note, I was quite I, I I've, I've we we tried to record earlier, and I was quite um I was a very very hungover, and B I'd just been not very well and the reason i wasn't very well is that my my work colleagues went out last night and played how quickly can you eat chicken wings that are curry flavored and i won but my body at what cost yeah my body did did not win how many Uh, did you eat um well it was how it was can you finish four in no three in three and thirty seconds I'm prepared to say three. And how big are these wings? They're quite, they're quite big. I can't. I can't describe them okay. on the podcast because I will have to use oh, my hands. St- stay there for a as second. big as your fist. I'm prepared to say that I don't think eating three chicken wings is what would have made you unwell. No, but I'd they were spicy flavored. They were spicy flavored. Spicy chicken wings. Did you have? Happen to have a packet of hobnobs on the side? <laughs> That is a there's an in joke from when I was once unwell because I ate a whole pack of hobnobs and I was convinced that it was my fresh smoked salmon and actually it was just the fact that the hobnobs had made my whole stomach bloat to an enormous size but I was like no it's the smoked salmon you're Seriously, really airing out. out and he just and you're he just sat on the sofa in a funk today. <laughs> 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 this is now becoming the Will Therapy podcast anyway. That's that's back what it is. Anyway. Yes, back to the movie. Careful. Yes. Um, yeah. All right. So, we, so generally speaking, we like Captain Marvel. Yes. It was much more enjoyable and entertaining than we thought, if a bit simple. Um, what are the main negatives? I've got a couple of ones that really irked me. I've got a couple of general ones. So I'll say my general ones, and then you can say your um, like specific ones. Um, Let's I... do a quick fire round of. Captain Marvel negativity, and then we'll go on to critic quotes. Oh, Ollie sneezing. (coughs) (laughs) Right, there we go. Um, My first negative is that I wish that they'd... I felt the plot, even though it moved fast, and I liked the action action, um, pacing (coughs) of it, um, (laughs) um, I found it quite difficult to fully believe in some of the more... um, emotional moments there is a scene where carol danvers and um M- maria are having a chat about the fact that she they thought she, they were dead for six years and then that resolution happens in about five minutes later um the whole re- resolution of their character arc kind of happens very quickly and whilst they're both good actresses in it and they make it work i think that that could have taken a lot more time over it um in a film that is doing more plot than actual like emotion intensity um my other thing is in terms of jude law and digimon honsu as carafe i felt that, that that whilst i don't think that jude law was a particularly convincing villain he in in my head he adds to the list of bad marvel villains i thought yeah, that yeah he was just so generic and he, he, there was nothing engaging with his character at all considering how he, they, he probably the irony is he probably got paid more than most of the other actors a hundred percent to play the most basic role that has very limited screen time well robert downey jr who um was in sherlock um with jude law apparently gave him advice and like counseled him before he took the part so that probably was get as much money and as much rights laws as possible mm. so George jude law probably has made a shed load of money for this film um yeah, Gemma Chan um, as well. Gemma Chan was in the um, X Men film 
X-Men Days of Future Past as the one with the crystals that open portals. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yes. And I thought she, I thought she was great in that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't... I, that whole team just sat, felt like a bit of an afterthought. I, did, I just thought that they should... She shouldn't have had... She shouldn't have called into them at all. I wish they'd just, like, done separate stuff back on Cree. And the idea of Brie Larson calling into them was just a bit tacky for me. Those are my main yeah, negatives. It, yeah, I'd there say. were some exposition drags in this film. Ollie, what about your negatives? Do you have anything you didn't like about Captain Marvel? Um, I didn't like the fact that that girl, the little girl, yes. automatically knew how to use her suit to change the colour. Yes. I wouldn't have known. Yeah, like like she's just picked up a piece of space tech and I has think, absolutely no concept. Thing is, I get that nowadays younger people get how to use iPads and stuff like that, but this is back in the nineties, and I'm sorry, she should. What well, first of all, been shocked at the fact that that suit could have yeah. done it, but she just took it in her stride, just <laughs> flicked it, flicking on a touch it screen, around, and then you, you, she had the Captain Marvel colours. I think it's a bit of a joke, really. Yeah, I think it would be fine. I mean, it's a disgrace. Uh, yeah, it would have been fine once Almost she got... as much as Jake as the fact that he didn't win the rugby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think um, it was fine before, like, when when she was on the colour wheel, it was it looked like it was quite easy to navigate. But crucially, how on earth did she know the right setting in that device that does pretty much anything to get to the colour wheel of changing the costume? I completely agree on it. It's ridiculous. If you if you look past all of the very obvious issues with it, though, I still think that bit is pretty great, especially uh, when the neon one comes up and she looks like a character from Tron. I that will was say, awesome. I, Ollie, you I was go. Just say, I have one more issue with that scene in general. Please go. Is the fact that Captain Marvel clearly sees that this little girl has loved her jacket and has held on to it as like a, I'll remember you with this, and she actually takes it back from her. I think and then fucks off again. Yeah, I think literally. that's ridiculous. She should have said, "I'll leave this with you." Did yeah. She, yeah. Did she say that? No, no. no she, she took it, it she and left. Yeah. And and like moments later, you actually see her in her full Captain Marvel suit flying away without that jacket on, which means that when she reached the atmosphere, that jacket with all those memories probably disintegrated. Yeah, of course. And no longer exists. Ketchup so, stain and all. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, they're my annoyances. Yeah. Okay. I completely agree. I've um, got, I've got, I've got two annoyances. Um, one of them is we we we're in a day and age where um, going for that retro kind of early like late eighties, early nineties setting is really popular. Obviously, Stranger Things is one of the most watched things on television, and it does it really well. But I think there's this. We, we, some directors and cinematographers has, have become so good at doing it in a really subtle way. But I thought the 90s setting in Captain Marvel was incredibly heavy-handed. Like, don't get me wrong, there are some bits that are cool, like her landing in a blockbuster and stuff like that. But, like, the Fonz lunchbox to keep the, um, call it device in, um, for, like, that whole fight scene and the amount of close-up shots off. This is the Fonz lunchbox. This is, the, look, look at the Fonz lunchbox. I, it was all a little bit too much for me and I didn't think it was done very well. Yeah, I agree. I also think that it's it was heavy-handed, but also pretty non-existent throughout the film in general as well. Like, for half yeah. the film, you, that doesn't need to be set in 1990. You just have these big motifs of blockbuster, lunchbox, and that pinball machine in that bar. And that's yeah, pretty it, much it in terms of 90s it, throwbacks. It, it should have felt more consistently spread across the film, but but more subtle. Yeah. And those cars in the car chase, I think, all look like 1970s cars as well. So I didn't really have like a a, a real timestamp in those scenes either. Yeah. And it just couldn't resist doing those shit scenes, like her stealing the bike and like driving along with her cap, like her trucker cap on. Like, oh god, like I get it, Captain Marvel's an all-American badass character but do you really have to do the exact same scene that's been done in about 500 different films i quite like that because i feel like it's a marvel staple of that of that sort of like driving a motorbike driving a crazy crazy car of some description so yeah i i I quite liked it um i've got one other big problem with it obviously throughout the film it weaves in kind of like a memento style way it weaves all of the different like time periods of carol danvers and you see her as like a little girl a slightly older girl a young woman and her um 
those actresses it's like in some scenes those actresses are chopped together so so quickly they're so they're seen so close together that i just couldn't help but watch it and go i'm sorry but they look nothing like each other like i had a big problem with the fact that you were meant to believe in these kind of two minute montage moments that this was her this this was the same person growing up but they looked so radically different in my opinion that it just completely took away from the concept of it being her growing up yeah because because they looked nothing like each other and that really kind of got that that really got on my nerves that really kind of ruined the kind of my my like um suspension of disbelief i i think my last problem with this film i suppose is that i thought it was quite cool that the captain the reason for captain marvel's powers was the tesseract which was which is the whole impetus for the whole of the first phase of marvel However, yeah. at the same time, I'm like, really? You couldn't find a way to in- to create a powers without the Infinity Stone once again. Um, I just thought like it could have been a bit more creative in the in yeah. In like, the how much do you want to keep looping this round? Like, yeah. and it was cool to cool to cool to find out things like the origin of Nick Fury's like eye patch and the fake eye thing and all of that. And Goose the cat was a great character, or the Flurkin, sorry, was a great character. Like there are there are there are loads of really lovely elements, but I just think that at some points this film was so desperate to either be another version of Thor, Thor Ragnarok in terms of humour, or just a bridging film that loops in a new character ready for the Avengers in May, but also kind of circles back and gives you a bit of an a bit of an understanding on some of the biggest questions raised yeah. in the Marvel universe that it didn't spend enough time trying to be its own film. Mm-hmm this was such a bridging exercise to me it was like let's get this new character ready to be in avengers where she's kind of important and let's wrap up some things that no one's really asked for an answer on but we might as well do it for me it felt like a fantastic really good trailer for avengers infinity war in a way yeah it felt like a bridging really good trailer for it and that doesn't knock the film at all i I really enjoyed loads and loads of parts of it i just think there were some parts of it that for me read as a bit inauthentic and i wished i wish that i wish that this film had happened in marvel phase two where they had a bit more time with it yeah it it feels like a film that marvel it, it would have been groundbreaking for marvel about five or six years ago but now it kind of just feels like the tried and tried. As much as it's enjoyable, and that whole like if it ain't broke, don't fix it, really applies here. But I think they play it incredibly safe, and it's not going to surprise anyone. It surprised um, me. I didn't. I didn't see any of it coming. <laughs> it surprised Ollie. Um, but like people, I didn't know. I didn't all see of these films. I did not see the the scroll reveal coming. I know I, that that did you was. Not? No, I knew that the Skrull were being... I was getting really annoyed at the beginning of the film because I was like, the Skrull is not a convincing villain um, because they're just funny. And I was like, well, you can't make these characters funny. Um, and then they, the reveal happened. And I suppose I know the comics, so I know that the Skrull are always an evil race in the comics. They're always the thing that people are fighting against. So to twist the Skrull as being good going against the comic lore comic lore and a lot of it was i thought a really really nice touch because it changes what the 40 years of i suppose hatred in the comics um between humans fighting with scroll constantly so yeah i i thought that was interesting i liked it i did i, did, yeah, I didn't enough. see it coming right should we go on to critic quote awards now yes um what did you guys have for best description ollie do you want to go first uh, I got the quotes. Um, I thought it was perfectly fine. And who's that? Who's that by? Mark Camoes. Oh! <laughs> Do you know him? She, oh. she chose Mark Camoes. This is Will's favourite reviewer. So that was your. That's what you thought was your best description of the yeah, film. Yeah, I thought it was perfectly fine. I agree. I think Nothing I watched that review it. where he said Nothing those things. Nothing that exciting. Yep. Okay. Fine. Okay. And what about right. you, Will? Mine was from Michael Compton from the Bowling Green Daily News. Because you know when you want your bowling greens, um, you want news <laughs> about them daily. Um, <laughs> um, I've been thinking about that joke for two days. Um, a f- it, he says, it's a fun throwback with some nice work from Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson, as well as a great way to get audiences jazzed up for next month's Big Avenger f- finale. I think that's I think that's pretty, pretty, pretty accurate. It, it is, uh, it's fun. 
it's an I wouldn't say it's a throwback, but I would say it definitely got me jazzed up for um, the big Avenger and finale. And well, jazzed you're not up. jazzed up, Will. Yeah, well, I'm not jazzed up. <laughs> I just shook. Um, yeah, so that's my... What was yours, Jake? My, my best description is from Brian Truett of USA Today. And he said, Although Larson's heroine is still a work in progress, Captain Marvel lays a solid foundation to follow her wherever she flies next. I think that's fair enough. Where is she, where she's flying next is the Avengers film, and she's probably going to be a standout element of that. Nice. Um, I'm waiting to see how they deal with the fact that, like Vision, she's incredibly overpowered compared to all of the other characters. Um, well, they'll use her to blow up a tank, and then yeah, they'll do something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, what about the most savage critics for this film? Who did you have, Wally? I heard someone called James Vernier. James Vernier. From, who, he's from the Boston Herald. Oh, I like the Boston Herald. I read it regularly. No, I'm joking. Apparently, <laughs> he put Captain Marvel could not be duller besides DC's Wonder Woman if she tried. Apparently, personality is not the Captain's superhero. Superpower. Super <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Great. sounds that sounds very oh, savage. Pretty savage. Pretty savage. I uh, did I'm find another one as well. But... What about yours, Will? Uh, mine is from Louisa Moore from Screen Zealots. Now, she might be related to the famed Roger Moore from this podcast, who crit- mo- lo- lots of times is um, the most savage review. Um, Louisa said, Why praise a movie that panders, brackets, with a symbolic pat on the head, close brackets, to the audience it is supposed to empower? Um, so I think it's talking about the feminism of this movie, which I disagree with. I thought this movie... In terms of its feminism, it didn't labour the point that much. It just was a, it yeah. was a superhero film that featured a woman, and the woman was yeah, really good in it. Which I think was the best way of dealing with it. Correct. I don't think ju- just because it's the first like Marvel superhero lead, uh, female superhero lead film, I don't think it needs the whole film needs to be about that point. I think it should just be important that it is happening. I don't think the whole film needs to become about a woman becoming empowered. I think it just needs, like, the fact that it is that woman in that role is fantastic, and that's what we need more of. Yeah, and I think that you can I think, do... I think that, that's, where the, that's where the confusion in critics for me comes, is half of them think that when it's something this landmark, the whole film's narrative has to be, like, mirroring that. And then the other half think, no, just take it at face value. In the real world, more big roles for women is what's needed those films don't have to be feminist in nature mm. and i think you can just have a film about empowering women that doesn't have to say i am empowering women i think the nicest thing about this film is when they have um conversations with maria and brie larson's character um um zed not zed that's that's it that's power rangers character anyway um um when you have conversations with them they they sort of bring up in sort of retrospect like oh yeah we couldn't have applied for that program because we were women but we like and but it's not the idea of like we showed them and we're like powerful it's like it just it just comes up in the conversation they've got over it that it's it's dealt with it's i think i think it's just very nuanced and subtle which is a much better way of approaching it than blow horning in my face that this is a feminist film yeah, yeah yeah no i agree um my final one then my most savage is from tim brayton of alternate ending Classic Tim. Classic Tim. Tim. He said, um, an almost impenetrable slog of pulp sci-fi notions of intergalactic wars and an amnesiac super soldier expressed without a modicum of camp or passion. That's something that I think this film lacked, right? It, it, It is an incredibly camp concept. And it didn't nearly lean into that anywhere near as much as I thought it should. Yeah. It should have been more stupid, more top gunny in its nature. But I think that they were so like, because it's the first female lead, let's handle this with real care and make sure it's a straight film that doesn't kind of um, deviate in any way. I think this could have been a really kind of ultra spandex, stupid, silly superhero movie. And it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I would love to see lots and lots of I mean, of the, char- of- the character is the character is ridiculous. It's like... A Top Gun fighter pilot becomes a intergalactic superpowered heroine that wears a ridiculous suit. I, like, I quite like her suit. Yeah, the suit's pretty cool. Then why did you just say it's ridiculous? No, but I'm saying that it is like it's an incredibly camp concept, and I like that, and I just don't think it was like fleshed out. Like that. 
<laughs> I will say that I preferred the neon. Yeah, I'd like to see the neon suit. I want to see real the neon. Question. Yes. What's the real question, Ollie? Did you prefer having me on this? <laughs> well, then Jake. Um, no, just without me. Oh, no, I, I love you I mean, being you here. can compare me to Jake if you want. <laughs> well, if I'm comparing you to Jake, I'll um, no I've pressure, got my best what? description here in my most savage. No, um, I Get I would I would rate you crickets. equally because I love you both. That's such a pageant <laughs> answer. But as a film reviewer, as a film I reviewer, you're superior. what I like about you, Ollie, is that you're no nonsense. You have opinions, <laughs> so you say them, and there's there's no, there's it's it's like it's blunt. It's it's straight to the point. There's none of the me and Jake waffle. Like me and Jake spend a lot of this time saying very very like urbane silly words and then you'll just and then you just say what the correct exactly what the film is about like in 10 or so words it's amazing ollie's it's a skill. ollie's reviewing ollie's reviewing style reminds me of did you ever read those books when you were younger like the noughts and crosses books by martina carl yeah, i love them right the young adult novels mm. and the ta- the strap line that was on all of those books was martina cole she tells it like it is yes that is Ollie Ra- that, Olivia Radcliffe. that's ollie's reviewing she tells style. it like it is ollie radcliffe she says it like it is yeah <laughs> all right so to wrap up what would you guys rate captain marvel out of 10 i would rate it a seven Hmm, Ollie? I'd agree there. Based on the fact that Paddington is a 10. <laughs> I would say 7. Is is Paddington where your reviewing system is formed by? And then Tarzan is 0. Ta- no, Tarzan's not 0. Don't get me wrong. Hmm. Like, it's a good plot. It's just terrible. I don't think we, we could ever rate a film a 0. Because no, there must be some redeeming qualities about, about some things of it. I'm now thinking of Sin City and I'm not sure. But, the, you know... I don't think you could ever rate a film a zero. And that's just I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a six. A six. Because, yeah, because like of the ridiculous I, scenes. I, I enjoyed <laughs> it. I just, I enjoyed it. It was better than I expected it to be. But then I thought it was going to be rubbish. Um, I just don't think it did. In, it, I don't think it was as good as it could have been. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but that wraps up Captain Marvel. Thank you very much, Ollie, for uh, taking the time to bestow your superhero wisdom oh, on this podcast that has no understanding pleasure. of superhero I'm movies. I'm so happy we've done this with you, Ols. Um, you're very welcome. Right, <laughs> you you sound equally thrilled about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next week, we are going to be talking about Leaving Neverland. We were going to try and do it in one, but we thought, considering it's a four-hour epic um, epic is really not the right word. I wouldn't, wouldn't <laughs> um, use epic. Yeah, it's a four-hour uh, journey. Then let's say that um, we thought we can't we can't fit it in today as well. So we're going to be doing that next week. We wanted to have kind of a proper detailed week to look over kind of Michael Jackson's life and all of the claims and just kind of fully understand everything that's laid out in the documentary. Sorry, Ollie, um, just... Ollie just Ollie just exited stage left. She rolled out of the podcast. That was amazing. I've never seen it. Um, you're sitting on a bed and I and I just saw in the background Ollie just making like a, a back a backward roll over the bed. <laughs> One of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, she has she has signed off well and truly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so next week, leave in Neverland. Um, oh, can I tell you about the um, the bonus bonus episode? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. So this week, um, obviously next next week, sorry, um, because obviously me and Jake are separated by thirteen hours. There's a couple of films coming out that um, we wanted to see but are not able to see. Um, one of the which is Fighting with the Family, which is the WWE film collaboration produced by The Rock and put a lot of money in by The Rock. And written by Stephen Merchant. I, I, we mentioned the podcast a couple of weeks ago. That is coming out or has come out in UK cinemas over the last week. Um, and so I am going to do a bonus episode of the podcast reviewing it with my very good friend and also wrestling aficionado, uh, Tom Thornhill. So stay tuned. I'd say we're going to try and get out by some point in midweek um, um, for a sort of bonus wrestling focused um fun review um for fighting in the family i think i've sold that pretty well <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting i'm gonna be tuning into the podcast i know without me on it i'm gonna be tuning in as a listener will uh, you feel like it's like it's it, like being our baby as it is you're like i'm handing my baby over to a stranger for the weekend yeah i'm quite controlling i've given will a good brief on the the p's and q's and yes Tom's a Tom's a good friend of both of us, so he's going to be a fun guy to have on the podcast. Definitely, definitely. I'm very, I'm very knowledgeable um, about WWE films, so that'll be good. 
but that is that so thank you very much will thank you very much jake and we will see you all next week